Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. And today we're talking. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) I'm falling apart. Yes. Much like the unsub in this episode. Uh, it's, It's parasite time, girls. Get ready. Get your panties ready. He's hot. He's sexy. <laughs> he he is all that. Yeah, he he's a lot. He he's he's a lot. Okay, season five, episode fourteen. We are two episodes away from Mosley Lane. We're not. Neither of us are having great days. I'm having a wonderful day. I woke up this morning to text from my coworker, being like, "The bridge is closed." <laughs> You can't go to work. And I was like, what do you mean I can't go to work? I'm trying to save up for my vacation. And she was like, well, it's closed, so you can't go to work. And I was like, all right, I I guess I can't go to work. Uh, So I had to wait two hours and then go to work. And then I had a shitty day. Uh, So by the end of the day, I was like, I need to just listen to music and put in these notes because I can't handle another goddamn person right now. Um, also, I love my job, but sometimes people get like very hyper on the phone with me and it's just emotionally exhausting because I have to like calm them down and then do the work. And then the next call, the person is at like a 10 and I'm like, okay, you know, repeat the process all day long. Oh my gosh. What's your fun fact, girly? What is my fun fact? Ooh. My my mom is out of town and usually the dogs like to be with her when it's nighty night time. She wasn't here. So I didn't really sleep last night because I had both of them on my bed and then they would get upset and then they would move and then they'd get upset and start carrying on at 3 a.m. I will, dude, I'm going to send you some photos right now. It was ridiculous. So I didn't get much sleep last night. So you were stuck in traffic. I was stuck with the dogs. It was a challenging time. All right. Well, we rate each episode on a scale of 1 to 100. We have five different categories. Each category can score a total of 20 points. 5 times 20 is 100. We checked. It's correct. The categories are criminal slash serial killer, character development slash character arcs, forensic slash context, script writing, and background characters. And I'm going to let you know that we are in no way, shape, or form of uh, associated with Criminal Minds or anything therein. We are just fans. Do not sue us, please. All right, girl, you got a recap to get through today. All right, so this is Parasite, not to be confused with Bong Joon-ho's masterpiece film. So we open with the shots of a city and are spurs with a lady being attacked. We see a man get out of a car and enter a fancy restaurant while Frank Sinatra plays in the background. He sits down and meets with a lady who... 
she's reeks of wealth. Um, and her name is Lorraine. So he like apologizes, and as she calls him out on, just lays it on thick. Lorraine. There you are. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm late. I was about to call you. Mm. It's no better than to keep a beautiful woman waiting. You're laying it on thick, aren't you? Oh, I've been looking forward to this. Got a prospectus for you. Food first. Do you like crab Louis? I do. It is so good here. Hello. Oh, sorry. Um, my head is still at work, making sure I deposit a check for a client. Well, I'm a client too. And you're on my time now. You have my full attention. I better. I have something you want. But while this is happening, we see some scratch marks on his hand. And we see that these scratch marks are were left by the lady he was attacking from the beginning. Um, he, like, spaces out for a minute. And Lorraine calls him out on ignoring her. She, he's like, oh, sorry, I was just thinking about a client. And she's like, but I am also a client. Cut, and we see JJ meeting with a guy. He is Agent Russell. He has a composite sketch of the man from earlier. But unfortunately, the man who the sketch is of is really good at keeping a low profile. So JJ introduces Agent Russell to the rest of the team, and he says he is a part of the White Collar Crime Unit. Everyone, this is Agent Russell Goldman from the San Diego White Collar Team. You've already met Agent Hotchner. These are Agents Rossi, Morgan, Prentice, and Reed. Pleasure. So we're working on a white collar case? Not exactly. I've been following a con artist for five years. Two nights ago, I think he killed someone. Carla Marshall of Miami was found dead in her home. Asphyxiation by strangulation, she also had trauma wounds to the head. Why do we think the con man killed her? Last week, Carla contacted a fraud website to report a scam. The complaint ended up on Goldman's desk. We spoke on the phone at length. Uh, her story matched my guy to the T. She planned on confronting him that night. I told her to cease all communications and wait for me. I'd fly to Miami and set up a sting. Do you have physical evidence confirming it's your guy? No, but for her to be murdered the night that we spoke, I don't think it was a coincidence. And there was no sign of forced entry, theft, or sexual assault. You're judging from the MO, the motive was personal. What's his hustle? Investment fraud. Basically, he's a smaller Madoff. This is a sampling of his work going back 14 years. He's scammed hundreds of thousands of dollars from people, but he's never been violent before. Con men usually don't murder, but when they do, it's to conceal their crimes. Con man's a nice name for these guys. They profile as psychopaths. They see their cons as theater and themselves as a sort of puppeteer. They have to have absolute control over their victims and their cons. Reed shares that they see their cons as, as he put it, theater. Oh my god, I hated that. I knew you were going to say something. I hated that. They see themselves as a kind of puppeteer who has to have absolute power and control over their victims and their cons. So they get to the police station in Miami and the team sees the amount of case files that Goldman, Russell Goldman has on this fella. And it's an insane amount, like boxes upon boxes upon boxes. And the team is like, oh God, we really have to do this. And they start like unpacking the case files and it's a very daunting task. Prentice goes to the crime scene with Goldman and they see that Carla was a real estate agent. Um, Goldman shares with Prentice that he believes the unsub's real name could be a form of William. 
And Prentice asks about how, like, most of the unsub's victims were very wealthy, but Carla doesn't have, like, a crazy huge mansion or anything. And Goldman also says that Carla did not invest as much money as some of the other victims. So why did he target her to begin with? Morgan calls Russell and Prentice over to show them something on the computer. And what they see is that this unsub set up a website for himself. It's only one page and it has super generic investment information. No photos of himself. It's very standard and it's basically selling the fantasy of success. So Morgan calls Garcia and asks her to do a search of the website to see if there's any other website with the same content. And she finds nine identical websites, all exactly the same, just advertising the name of like a different investment agent or whatever it is he is. Investment advisor. Back at the Miami PD, Rossi talks about how the CIA assigns an agent usually like two or three aliases at most because any more than that will make it very complicated. And that reminded me, I think we talked about this with like um, witness protection, how the name is also going to be like kind of close to yours. Yeah, usually it's your first name and then the first letter of your last name. Yeah. Yeah, so that you can, like, remember to, like, respond to it. But this guy, his names are all over the place. Yeah, yeah. JJ comes in and says she has Carla's phone records, and it turns out she had been calling a number of a disposable cell phone numerous times. Got Carla's phone records. She made several calls to an unknown number the night she died. I tracked the number. It was a disposable phone that hasn't been used since. It's got to be the unsub's number. He tossed it after he killed her. Over the past few months, she routinely called this number really late at night. How late? Like, bedtime late. Don't do business with your investment manager at that time. Something hanky-panky is going on? Is that, what's, is that what you're saying? Because you don't do business with your investment manager at bedtime. Cut, and we now see him getting dressed in the morning with Lorraine, the lady he had met with for dinner. Back at the Miami Police Department, Prentice asks if Carla had ever mentioned anything about having an affair. And Russell answers, but he's like, no, like, she didn't. Because apparently it's hard to get fraud victims to be super forthcoming because they're already, like, embarrassed about having been duped. And I'm like, you know what, that checks out. So Carla never mentioned anything about an affair with him. No, but it's always been a challenge with fraud victims to be totally forthcoming. They're so embarrassed about being duped, they don't tell you everything. We'd like to compare notes. Shoot. I'm looking at the victimology. Yeah. We say affinity groups, same thing. It refers to victims with shared interest. Okay. When your world will use your terms. Your files point to specific affinity groups he targeted in the first few cities. Does this look accurate to you? Yes, it does. Once he got beyond San Diego, his victims are all over the place. No shared interests. I came to the same conclusions. So he stopped using affinity groups and found his victims somewhere else. Where? I don't know. That's where we start. We also learned that, like, with the white-collar crime, they call them, like, affinity versus victimology. (laughs) I've never heard that, and I've consumed a lot of white-collar TV. I know. I've never... I was like, interesting. Not just Anna Delvey, girl. I've I've consumed a lot, and I've, I've never heard that, but okay. I haven't watched Anna Delvey stuff yet. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well... 
my dad started and said he couldn't stand her, so we had to stop. The accent is so much. I can't believe they someone let her do that. Like, actually, a lot of people had to sign off on it to allow her to do the accent that she did, uh, and it was definitely a choice. But it's very like Tommy White. I don't know how to say it. it's Tommy White. Tommy White. So yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's like this is very clearly a bad fake accent, which kind of like goes along with the character. But it's 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 a lot to listen to. It's a lot. My white collar crime that I'm a fan of is Elizabeth Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah. She's another one. Did I tell you my friend told me that they think that Amanda Seyfried stole that role from me? Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree. I completely agree, yes. Thank you. I think I could do it. I haven't tried the voice, but I feel like I could do it. So we see our unsub meeting with a guy on a boat who looks really rich. This is in um, Fort Lauderdale. And as he, like, walks up to the boat, he keeps repeating over and over. He's like, Randy. I forget what the last name was, but he keeps saying, like, Randy. My name is Randy. (laughs) However, when his victim is writing out the check, he asks how the name is supposed to be spelled, which I'm going to come back to in a second because I'm like, continuity. And the unsub does a fuck up and is like, M-O-F-F-A-T, Henry Moffat, to which victim is like, who? And he, like, tries to play it off of being like, oh, it's it's my partner. And the guy's like, you never said you had a partner. He's like, oh, I must have met him. And, and our Henry Randy William is like, there's a simple explanation. And he just grabs the whiskey glass next to him and just starts beating the living shit out of this guy. The BAU is at the crime scene. It's the next morning. And it was an overkill situation. The unsub is clearly devolving. How much money did you give to him? He just kept saying he needed to be aggressive in this market. My God, this is all my fault. What do you mean? I met Randy. I brought this man into our lives. This is Mikkelsen. Is there anything more to your relationship with Randy? We're going to find out eventually. Find out what? Randy wasn't who he said he was. Randy wasn't even his real name. What? We think this man is using his looks and his charm to target women. So there's others. I laid in bed next to the man who killed my husband. They're like, okay, he's using his charm and looks to target women. But like, but if they have been involved with him for a while, and this is who they did all their investment with, why did he ask how the name was spelled? Like, this is not the first time he's written a checkout. <laughs> That's true. I also can't believe you missed that Rossi moment where after she admits to having sex with whatever his name is, um, William with a question mark, Rossi is like, did they have, re- I forget what he says. I was going to write it down, but I was like, no, nah, it's okay. But he's like, were they intimate? Or he says, I'll, I'll yeah. put the clip in. But I was like, what the fuck, Rossi? Like, he's like, vindicated. Yeah. And I was like, bro. <laughs> Did they have transgressions? Now we see the unsub cutting up the ID for Randy because I guess he's like, he done fucked up. 
Um, but while doing so, we realize he's in a house because a little kid yells out, Daddy, and comes running towards him. He greets the kid, gives him a kiss and a hug, says hello, and his wife is there as well. And it seems as if the wife and kid have no idea what his actual occupation is. And we learn that she is calling him Bill. Yeah, there's this moment where he, when he initially comes in, he's not wearing a wedding ring. And then he like sneaks it on. Yeah, he sneaks it on when she approaches. Yeah. Bill's wife is upset because he's basically telling them that they have to move. And she's like, I don't want to move again. Like, JD's making friends. Like... I don't want to do this. But now we get the profile. We're looking for a white collar crime man. Crime man. (laughs) Fuck, we've been going for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. A white collar con man who is also a crime man who embodies what behavioralists call the dark triad. Narcissism, Machiavellianism, and aberrant self-promotion. Everything revolves around this unsub. He manipulates and exploits others using dishonest tactics, and he has become a menace to society. He is what they call a Casanova con man, which, spoiler alert, is what I did my deep dive on. He seduces women to get their money. It is standard behavior for him to have casual sex with multiple partners, and he uses that as a weapon to accomplish his goals. He frequents high-end venues, country clubs, hotel bars, and membership-only establishments. He is constantly opening and closing bank accounts and moving money. He has too many aliases in his head right now. It is causing him to fracture mentally. It is this loss of control that is causing him to be violent and dangerous to be around. Any additional stress will make him more likely to attack. So now we see Bill meeting with yet another lady. She is saying how she doesn't want to wait this long to see him. She could always fly out to where he is. And we uh, learn that this is also an affair going on with her. Like, she also has a husband. And she's like, you know, he doesn't come back until later. You can spend the night. And I'm like, he must be, like, great in bed, I guess, if all these women are like, stay the night. You're not, you don't have, like... Well, he's like handsome, what? and he's handsome, and he listens, and you know sometimes. Yeah, he's very handsome. Yeah, you're in this loveless marriage where you're so wealthy, and your husband's away on business, and you're just so horny for this young viral, <laughs> sexy <laughs> man, young Casanova. <laughs> this Casanova. I when I heard that, I was like, that can't be right. I, <laughs> I was like, that's not a technical term, guys. I don't have to go this long without seeing you. I could fly to wherever you are. <laughs> you would just distract me. Hmm. We'd just be spending all day in bed together. My husband's gone for a week. <laughs> Why don't you stay tonight? Um, yeah, I, I can't. Gorgeous. I gotta deposit your check in the bank before the market closes, huh? Do you think that we could be happy together? What? I could leave my husband. Um, slow down. Hunter. Hunter, not now. I gotta, I gotta take this. Hello. Don't be mad at me, but I want my check back. What? 
And it's Lorraine, the lady from the beginning. And she's like, oh, I need my check back. And he's like, oh, God. And then on his other cell phone, he also gets a call. And it's his wife telling him she needs him to pick up JD because her car broke down. And he's an asshole to all of these women and starts losing his cool. So he had gone outside to the backyard to take these calls. And the lady from inside comes up to him and is like, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant and it's yours. Oh, God. It's like that meme where it's like someone who's like, you look stressed. And the person's like, it's the stress. So back at the police department. Rose said you have something. Spoke to his victims. Before San Diego, they described him as driving exotic sports cars. After San Diego, they described him as driving larger sedans and SUVs. Before San Diego, he lived in condos, referred to them as bachelor pads. After San Diego, spoke of living in gated communities with large yards. What forces a man to stay put in one place for a while, downgrade his car, upgrade his house? You think he has a family? These are lifestyle changes a new dad would make. Why would he start a family? Because he wants to appear normal, and a family does that for a psychopath. Wives usually serve a purpose as a caretaker or homemaker. They value their offspring as extension of themselves and also feeds their narcissistic ego. These are interesting theories, but how does this help us? As a forensic countermeasure, con men put everything in their wives' names. Bank accounts, cars, homes. And if his wife isn't complicit in his crime, she'll still be using her real name. If we find the wife, we can find the unsub. So they, if they're able to find the wife, they can find the unsub, especially since if she is not involved in his crimes, which they don't think she is, she will still be using her real name. So now we see the unsub meeting up with Lorraine from the beginning, and it looks like he went and got drinks with her. And I'm like, what about JD? Did you pick him up? Um, and he, like, walks her over to the car, but, like, he opens the trunk and she's like you press the wrong button and then it just cuts <laughs> i love it i love it it's so good it's so good we see him driving with jd who's in the front seat and i think he's too young to be in the front seat but whatever this con man really fucks up by letting his his son in the his young son in the front seat of this car. I guess he's supposed to be nine, but he looks really young. Can I talk to you about something? Yeah, of course, buddy. Do we have to move again? I like it here. You know, I'm really disappointed in you. Sorry. I'm really disappointed because you didn't say something sooner. You know, if you want something in life, as a man, you need to ask for it. Let that be a lesson. Okay. So you really like it here, huh, big guy? Yeah. Well, I think I may have found a way for us to stay for a while. Serious? <laughs> yeah. I just need to dump my client list and start over. So we can stay? I'd do anything for you, kiddo. But then there's, like, some ominous thumping noises coming from the trunk. And I was like, ah, oh, so that's why he opened the trunk. And he like pulls over to the side of the road and is like, watch your video. Don't worry about it. So he goes to the trunk and he opens it and he just hits her over the head over and over with a tire iron, puts it down and then just dr continues to drive off. I love the way they have it shot because it's like a shot from like the front of the car and you can just see JD like on his like device being an iPad kid. And then you can see vaguely through the back window that he's like hitting or with, or with the tire. It's great. 
Yes. Also, there's this like conversation in the car where like we were like, okay, so Will or whatever his name is, another Will Bill in my life that I do not need. He's like being shitty to his wife. And then the son gets in the car and the son's like, I really don't want to move, except he says it like a baby because he's a young child. And uh, then unsub man is like, I'm really disappointed in you. And we're like, Oh God. Oh no. Oh my God. Is he, what's he going to do to the kid? And then he's like, I'm disappointed that you didn't speak up because your opinion matters. And if you didn't want to move, like we can accommodate that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Why is that also the most wholesome thing? But that's the whole point is that like, he doesn't respect women, but God damn, does he love his son? I think they talk about how it's like an extension of his narcissism, and I was yes, just like, oh. "Yes, I, I know it's not wholesome. It's an extension of his narcissism." But god damn, does that not make your ovaries move? Oh it my makes god, him do I something. Know. I'm just saying. Anyways, so the next day we find Lorraine's body on the side of the road, and they realize it's weird that he hasn't like left town. Because that's what happened before is a body would show up and then he would scoot to another location. And they're like, maybe his family's in Fort Lauderdale. So Garcia starts looking into it. Hey, Garcia. Em, I feel like I've been sent on a wild snipe hunt. Do you have any idea how many women in South Florida lease luxury cars and rent mansions? I will answer. Too many. That's how many. Okay, narrow the search down to Fort Lauderdale only. Look at women who moved here 8 to 12 months ago. See if any of them have any history with San Diego. Okay, I'll call you back when I found the elusive snipe creature. And now we see Bill arguing with his wife because she doesn't see happy about him enabling them to stay there and not have to move because I guess she's just frustrated that he was like, we have to move. And then he's like, guess what? We're not moving. Yeah. Um, well, she's frustrated that she has like literally no say in yeah. her life at all which like yeah. i get it's valid but like yeah. come on unsubs unsub man's wife he like made it work for you can't you be yeah. a little grateful <laughs> so now rossi and jj meet with the bank manager that of the bank that lorraine horton used and we learned that lorraine had recently sold a house I can explain this. So once, because I just, I bought a house. So if you buy a house, there's in your county where you live, your name goes on record as that you've bought the house. So it's public knowledge. So that's what they're saying. They're saying that there's this public list of everyone who's bought rich, uh, fancy houses in this area that they're able to access. It's called parcel access. So have fun, kids. Garcia also says that she may have found the wife of our unsub because she also works in real estate and her name is Rebecca Hodges and she has her son and her husband, William Hodges. But before the BAU was able to track them all down, Rebecca Hodges tracks Bill's mistress down and she knocks on the door of the pregnant lady and basically is like, mm, "You, I saw my husband leaving. Uh, we need to talk. Are you a client of Bill's? Who? Don't do that. I saw him leaving here. I don't know what you're talking about. You should leave. I saw you with my husband. Do you know we have a son? His name is JD. You didn't know Bill was married? I didn't know his name was Bill. She didn't even know that his name was Bill. And we see Bill pick up his son from school and say, he's like, you know, I guess we're going to go to Boston. <laughs> Prentice and Goldman are like, we need, like, we need to find him. So they roll up to the, uh, to JD's school. 
Bill sees that they're in the neighborhood and he starts calling his wife because he's like, we need to, we need to leave right now. But Rebecca's not answering because she's having a conversation with her name. We learn is Brooke Sanchez and they're talking and Rebecca ignores the call. Yeah. Also, I love the solidarity that they're sharing because they're, because they're like, fuck this guy. Let's figure it out ourselves. So Garcia looks up Rebecca's cell phone, and this is also where I start to lose it a little bit, and it looks that she has two active cell phones in the area. Yes, because obviously William wouldn't have, he doesn't want anything in his name, so he doesn't want to be traced. So one is her husband's cell phone and one is her cell phone, yes. I got so confused with that. And they're like, oh, but this is at the property of the other two people on the list we couldn't find, which is the Sanchez. We cut to the house and Brooke tells Rebecca about how they had been vacationing together. And Rebecca is absolutely like flabbergasted that her husband was cheating on her. While this is happening, Bill walks into the house and sees them sitting together. So that's trouble. And to make matters worse, JD runs in after him and he just has like a freaking meltdown you must think i'm an idiot it's not true how could you do this to your family i provide everything for my family were you just after my money this whole time no no i told you i was gonna take care of you all those times you traveled for work are there other women god what are you even doing here daddy i told you to wait in the car jd come here please just let him come here when you think that i would hurt my own son well you're obviously capable of anything please bill he doesn't need to see this how long did you think you were going to get away with this hunter? Bill, let's just leave. Just stop talking, both of you! Yeah, and his wife is like, why is the child, why is our child here? Like, what is happening? Yeah, why is he not in school? The BAU rolls up to the house, and Bill walks out with JD, but when he gets outside, the BAU is there. Please step back. Bill, let him go. Let the boy go to his mother and put your hands up. You must be tired, keeping up with all these lies. You don't need to do this anymore. Let him go. Bill, please let him go. JD, go to your mom, okay? Go to your mom. Oh, sweetie, come here. And they try to apprehend him, but he starts to reach for his pocket, which results in uh, Russell Goldman shooting him fatally. But it turns out he was just reaching for a lighter. It looks like he didn't have anything else in his pocket. So that's just traumatic for everyone then. I actually love the way this scene is shot because it's so tense and Rebecca's like, let me have JD because she's like right now, like Will question mark is like using JD as like, you know, a hostage. She's using his son as a hostage and she's like, give me the kid, give me the kid. And JD's freaking out. And then the BAU is like, that's your son. And there's this moment where he's like, deciding whether he's going to fuck around and like get the kid shot or like, you know, is he going to be a dad? And then he decides that he's going to like, let the kid live, which I thought was like a nice moment. And he hugs his son and you're like, Oh, is it the narcissism or is it being a good dad? I don't know. And then he like, you know, JD goes back and then everyone's like, just surrender. And then he doesn't want to surrender. So And Russell's upset because he's like, you know, I thought he had a weapon on him. And Practice is like, yeah, no, it was like a justified shot that you took. He chose his own fate. And Russell's like, I've never, I never even learned his real name. And I'm like, but we did. It was William Hodge. (laughs) 
<laughs> Russell, get with the program. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Also, like, not for nothing, where are the fucking tasers? You couldn't have just tased him? Like, that's what really gets me with all of these. I'm like, also, just shoot them in the leg. Like, just debilitate them. You don't have to, like, fatally kill them. Guys, are you ready to learn about some Casanova con men? I'm excited. So not only is this a real thing, it's not the technical term for it, though some people use this term. Uh, This is super common. The first one I'm going to talk about is just, I'm going to give a quick overview of these guys. So Derek Aldred, who was 49 and from the USA, he met more than two dozen women on online dating sites, faked his identity, and stole thousands of dollars from them. He went by various names and posed as a U.S. Navy pilot, a professor, defense analyst, attorney, doctor, and firefighter. He targeted at least 25 women in California, Hawaii, Minnesota, and Nevada. But the net closed on him when the women connected the dots and they contacted one another. And he was sentenced to 24 years in prison in 2020. Now we're going to talk about Paul Carter, who is an Australian man. Uh, He's the seasoned scammer deception knew no bounds, fleecing millions of dollars from family members, friends, and lovers, as well as small businesses and charities. His ex-wife, Brooklyn Carter, began her relationship with him in 2002, getting married shortly after having a son with him. To fund his lifestyle of luxury cars and property, Carter borrowed money from his wife's family under the guise of legitimate loans. Mrs. Carter claims that uh, her ex-husband, quote, took at least $2 million from her and her family. In 2014, the couple planned to move to the United States together to start a new life. Miss Carter and the couple's son traveled to the country first, but her husband stayed in Australia to, quote, finish work. But in reality, the con man was making his next move on his next target. While his wife and children were in the U.S., he was leading another life in Melbourne with new fiance Catherine Dubois. Carter went to extreme lengths to convince her that he was single, claiming that his wife had died from bone cancer eight years earlier, quote, He told graphic details of how she died of the rotten breath and the hollow sunken eyes. Here's another Australian. This is Hamish Earl McLaren. Fleeced 15 victims, including including designer Lisa Ho, for $7.66 million by directing them into fake investment schemes that promised high returns. The trail of deception lasted from May 2011 until his arrest in July 2017. In 2019, a district court acting judge sentenced him to 16 years behind bars with a non-parolee period of 12 years because of his outrageous criminal conduct. He would have been eligible for parole in July of 2029, but recently they reduced his sentence to 12 years with a non-parole period of nine years, um, which makes him eligible for parole in July 2026. There's actually a podcast about this guy called Who the Hell is Hamish? So I'm linking that. <laughs> and then this is the last one. 
This is American con man, Casanova con man, Richard Scott Smith. He found women online, began dating them, very quickly got serious with them, and eventually married them, a bunch of them simultaneously. He got access to their money in a variety of ways, got them to assume his debts uh, for houses, cars, businesses, and then scooted. <laughs> he fucking was on the lam. He was on the lam. And this is all explained by a woman named Carla Campbell, who is a bounty hunter, who uh, they made a documentary on Showtime about this guy called Love Fraud. Uh, and it's four episodes and you can watch it on show, Showtime. But it's about this woman, this bounty hunter tracking him. And she says that the interesting thing about him is that he's not like one of like the other guys where they were like trying to go after millions of dollars. He was just making enough money to support his habits like new trucks and Harleys. He's what she calls a, quote, good con man, not a big dollar con man. He's a nickel and dime con man. So he it's even worse because he's going after middle income women who have just enough money to make him look good. That's so terrible. Uh-huh. I love this episode. I think this is a great episode. There were aspects of this episode that were really confusing because the unsub was flashing back to things that had happened and the timeline was out of order. And it really, like, I've seen it multiple times now and it, like, really comes together at the end. But if it's your first time watching it, you're like, what, what is happening? So I do think that that's a good perspective for you to have on it. But, girl, we got to give him a 20. He's so hot. He's so sexy. And this is a real thing that is super common to happen to people. People, especially women mm -hmm. my only thing is i really thought carla was about to be way more important well she was because because he he used her to find all the other victims because if you just buy a fancy new house you've got money and also like real estate agents names are on the list so it's easy for him to just find people that she's servicing I thought it was setting up to be, like, he was actually, like, really into her, like, really liked her. And that's why we kept getting the flashback. And that's, like, I thought he was going to have, like, more guilt over it or something. But. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say about him is I don't understand why, like, well, I mean, I guess they kind of, I don't know. Never mind, because I think they explain why he has to kill her, because she finds out about him and he's settled in the area. And now it's like putting his family at risk. So I get that. Yeah. Character development and character arcs. We didn't get much in this episode. I mean, what do you think about like between a 15 through like a 17 or 18? Yeah, let's do 16. Forensics and context. Can we come back to it? Yes. <laughs> so background characters, I think that we should give um, Agent Russell a 20 because I think he he's really well developed, even though I don't I'm not like in love with him. Script writing, I think if you're just watching this episode for the first time, it might be overwhelming and confusing. So it's not. Perfect. Why don't we give script writing a 15? Mm -hmm. I think this episode should get at least an 80. So then maybe we can decide forensic and context based off of that. We have 71 right now. 
I like the forensics in context. I think like the, the different names and IDs and stuff like that is really fun. So why don't we give that a 20 then? Sure. So we are at 91. Well, guys, write in. Let us know uh, your thoughts on all of the things. And you should follow us everywhere on some podcasts. It would really help if you gave us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. You don't have to leave. Just tap five stars. That would be super cool for us. We have merch. We have a Kofi. If you want to send us $5, $3, if you want to buy me a coffee, six hours editing each episode that would be cool no pressure though guys uh and you can follow me your new apartment.tumblr.com and you can follow me at between stage and screen podcast and all streaming services and instagram well thanks for coming on this wild ride with us guys yes <laughs> all right bye bye